GameZillaMedia.com. It's time for the last action podcast. Pop quiz, hot shot. Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need. The need for speed. Kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome everybody to the Last Action Podcast. It is I, the Sphinx. And joining me we have, um, um, LPJ, right? It's LPJ, right? No, it's Johnny Wishbone. Oh, Johnny Wishbone. <laughs> and also with us is, um, um, uh, Dave. No, Hovercraft Joe. Hovercraft Joe, what's up? I, I don't have a, I don't have a little bit to do. Like, <laughs> I mean, I get the reference, but I don't have a little bit. So I'm just going to say like, oh, how's it going? <laughs> I'm doing great. You could right, you cool. could have did your uh your uh Sydney Bernstein impersonation. <laughs> Bitch! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Anyway, we are doing Beverly Hills Cop 2. Year of the sequel continues. So Yeah. Um so I guess like kind of steamrolling right into like our, our talking about this movie. You want to know what's crazy? You guys are going to be... Uh, I realized while watching this movie that, one, never seen this movie before. Two, definitely, ne- definitely never seen the original one before. What? <laughs> and, and, and I haven't seen the third one either. So. Holy shit. That is... I am That's an explosion. Yes. Oh, my God. This movie... There's a lot of this movie, then, that probably... I mean, you could figure it out, but... There are probably I, some questions. I, I had, I think I, I had thought that I had seen this one, uh, wow. but that, but then upon watching it, I was like, oh no, I've definitely never seen. I think I've seen maybe a few parts of it before, but never the whole thing. And then it became abundantly clear to me that they were referencing stuff in the first film, and I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know what that's referenced to. So, because oh, you were um, on the, you were on the episode when we did the first one. No, that was before I was on the show. So, uh, yeah. Uh, this was my first viewing of it, and I watched the second one without the context of the first or the third one. I don't know if the third one I need to, to know anything about. No, but no. Um, yeah, so that's that's me. I mean, I I know these movie this movie series is famous. I know it's a big deal. I know apparently they're going to be making a fourth one now, which seems yeah. insane to me for Netflix. But anyways, yeah, um, first viewing of it, I guess that's wow. That's that's nuts. Because I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I think of of all the movies we've done on this show, I think I've watched this one the most, to be completely honest with you. So we had my older brother was on our episode of the first ep- of the first movie, Beverly Hills Cap One. Yep. And, you know, we we shared all sorts of memories that like my dad had recorded these off of pay-per-view. And we just were in love with them. So we would just rewatch them all the time. And I I knew like I remembered like the first one I liked, but the second one just jives a little bit better with the cast. And then Eddie Murphy is a little bit more unglued on the humor. And that's exactly how I still felt. Cause it's been a while since I've seen it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is honestly, I think this is probably of all the movies we've watched on this show, probably the one I've watched more than any other. So, yeah, yeah. I, I am 
pretty similar. Um, this is one of the movies that my parents taped off of HBO, and we just had just we have a, we had a ton of VHS tapes of movies that they had recorded, um, and for years, like. I would watch this all the time like this. I actually watched this one more than I watched the first one. I think yep. I saw this one before I saw the first one, actually. I might have, too, actually, to be honest. Yeah, and, and, but, man, yeah, I've seen this movie a ton. Like, like I I remember I'd, I'd come home, it'd be in the summer, and I just want to put on a movie. I'd either put, like, this on or Raiders of the Lost Ark or one of the Star Wars movies or, like, Beverly Hills Cop or or like Jewel of the Nile or Romancing the Stone, which are movies that we should probably do at some point, too. Um, but I've seen this a ton. Like, I, I love this movie. Yeah. No, I as soon as the as soon as the movie yes. started too with like the dramatic, suspenseful music, I'm uh-huh. like, oh, yeah, I totally remember everything about yeah. this movie it's and so why weird. I love it. Like just hearing the I have such nostalgia for this movie, like uh-huh. hearing the music. Yeah. Like I don't know, it just took me it took me like back 30 years to like when I was watching this for the first time. It's so yeah. weird. This is just I, one of those movies for me. Unfortunately, you know, my older brother just couldn't do the episode with us, the technology and everything. It just he's not of this kind of stuff, but it would have been fun to have him on here, but because of the memories that we yeah. have of watching this so many times, but I'm still excited to talk about this movie today. So, yep. well, I, I I am going to lean <laughs> on you guys for the plot on this because well, was, here's well, the deal. I was, <laughs> first, I was confused and had a lot of questions about it. To be honest with you, look. Oh so yeah, I'm going to warn you up front if you guys think I'm attacking this movie because I I am looking at it with no nostalgia and I had a lot of questions about. The yeah, plot the that's the thing. Um. I, for as many times as I've seen this movie, I still don't understand the plot. Particularly, particularly the timeline of events yeah. is really throwing me for a loop. In it's this movie. N- none of it makes sense. It, it was very much the glaring thing I noticed watching it this time around. Was it's entertaining and all, but I don't know what the fuck's happening and why yeah. it's happening. <laughs> Neither do I. So, yeah. So I, I am curious to get your perspective on it, Hovercraft Joe. Maybe we can help explain, but I, I actually don't think we're going to be able to. So. I, yeah, I don't know that I'll be able to help you on that. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's uh, buzz through uh, the numbers for Beverly Hills Cop 2. Its uh, release date is May 20th, 1987. Uh, it has a budget of $27 million, and it has a domestic gross of $153 million and a worldwide of $276 million. Like, I cannot believe this movie was made for $27 million. That's not much. I mean, it might have been a lot then, but, like, now? That's crazy. Um, I, I would contend that there's not... I mean, the, obviously there's action sequences, but there's not, yeah. like... I don't feel like any of them, besides maybe like when they're driving that cement truck around and stuff, but there's not like a lot of like full on destruction, buildings getting blown up, like tons of like plane crashing. Like all of the action sequences are pretty low. Even the big one at the end, like, yeah, they blow up those two trucks or whatever. But like, I just feel like I, I can kind of believe how they were able to kind of keep the budget down because none of none of the action sequences are extravagant in my mind. You know, you know like, what? You're right. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The budget probably fell on Tony Scott and, and Eddie Murphy, to be yeah, honest. I'm sure, I'm sure they paid probably. Eddie Murphy like five million of that, maybe 10 million. Well, yeah. that, no, plus he had million. plus he got money from writing it, too. 
Oh, that's true too. Yeah, um, it's just crazy. Like this movie made ten times the amount it took to make it. Like yeah. that's that's a big hit right there. That's pretty crazy. Um, so Rotten Tomatoes for this is forty seven percent, and the audience score is fifty seven percent. So wow, that's actually a lot lower than I thought. That is lower than I thought. Oh well. Wow. Maybe we're the only ones with this nostalgia. <laughs> I guess. LPJ. I guess, man. I, I really um, thought it would have been in the '60s at least, but for both. But so, uh, top grossing movies of 1987. Uh, you got number one, Three Men and a Baby. You got number two, Fatal Attraction, and then this film, Beverly Hills Cop Two, actually comes in third for the year. Uh, other movies. <laughs> this is a pretty good year. Other movies that we've covered from 1987 in this podcast are number nine, Lethal Weapon. Number twelve, Predator. Number sixteen, RoboCop. Number nineteen, The Living Daylights, and number thirty, The Running Man. Wow, that is a crazy <laughs> year. Yeah, yeah. So wow. you know what's weird though? This movie feels out of place in that list. Like I this see, movie feels like it's earlier in the eighties. See, uh, I don't. I don't know. Like, I I feel like thinking about this movie and like I get the same like vibe as like Lethal Weapon as like with this movie. You know, like Lethal Weapon I think is is a more serious movie or maybe is more well executed. But I I I feel like I get the same kind of vibe as the kind of action movies they are. You know, like but like obviously Predator is kind of an outlier. But I I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah. blabbing. I don't know. Yeah, I I kind of think it's probably right right where it should be especially with the first movie i think the first movie has a lot more of an early 80s feel to it than this one yeah does. that's true but. okay you know what again i stand corrected <laughs> <laughs> um okay cast uh i thought i had it pulled up anyone have it right in front of them <laughs> yeah, i do well we uh, got eddie murphy have, yeah. obviously is axel foley yep uh judge reinhold as detective billy rosewood returning uh jurgen Prochnow as maxwell dent uh, John Ashton, also returning from the first movie as Detective John Taggart. Uh, Ronnie Cox, who really not in this movie a whole lot, uh, mm-hmm. as Lieutenant Andrew Bogomil. Uh, you got Brigitte Nielsen in here as Carla Fry. Uh, Dean Stockwell is in here as Charles Kane. You got Paul Reiser returning as Paul Jeffrey. Paul Reiser returning, yep. Uh, Gil Hill, Inspector Todd is back again. Um yep. You have we, uh, Gilbert we got Hugh Godfrey. Hefner showing up. Hugh Gilbert Godfrey. Chris Rock. Chris Rock. Chris yeah. Rock. Robert Pastorelli is in this as Vinny. Um, yep. Yeah, there's just a you know a bunch of people in this. All right, uh, net worth. Uh, let's start. LPJ, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, Gilbert Godfrey. Man, uh, I'm gonna go. I'm going to go 40 million for him cuz he's okay. super cheap I believe. Uh what do you think Sphinx? I mean he's super cheap cuz he does cameos. <laughs> <laughs> for for Chops' birthday I was thinking one year of actually pooling money together with a bunch of people and having uh, Godfrey do a cameo for him since That'd be awesome. We saw him live for his bachelor party. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a lot though. I think it's like 10 million. 8 million. Okay. Eight million. I thought it more than that. Uh, Doesn't matter. But you know what? Uh, sorry, sorry. Rolling back, that Gilbert Godfrey show was great. <laughs> it was fucking nuts. Oh, it was so, so awesome. He was so so uncomfortable. <laughs> it was the best. Okay, sorry. Continue. 
Uh, okay, uh, Sphinx, Brigitte Nielsen. What do you think for Brigitte Nielsen? I don't know, four million. Oh, uh, now see, now I don't know. I'm gonna go two million. Six hundred thousand. Okay. Uh, Six hundred thousand dollars. Uh, Ronnie Cox, who is not dead. I looked it up. Ronnie Cox. What do you think for Ronnie Cox, LPJ? Uh, man, he's got that sweet, sweet Stargate SG one money. Um, <laughs> just so mad at that. Uh, I'll go uh ten million. Ronnie Cox may not be dead, but his career pretty much ended in the eighties. <laughs> not <laughs> besides true. Star- besides Stargate, I guess. Uh, three million. Five million dollars for Ronnie Cox. Uh, Paul Reiser. Uh, what do you what do you think for Paul Reiser, uh, Sphinx? <laughs> Fuck if I know. Um, I don't know. Man about you was a pretty big show. He made wasn't a it? shit ton uh, of money off of that. I'll I'll say fifteen million. Okay. Uh, I'll go twenty. Seventy five million dollars. <laughs> I knew he made a lot because that was back when syndication was still a big thing, and like. You know, when Seinfeld sold into syndication, they made a bunch of money. Mad About You made a bunch of money, too. Do you remember uh, the other movie that I was on with you guys that Paul Reiser was in? Aliens. Aliens. I was going to say, he's in Aliens. He's the douchebag that brings him back. Yeah. All right. uh, Judge Reinhold. Oh, man. That Santa Claus money. (laughs) Santa Claus. Wow. I couldn't even think of another Judge Reinhold movie. Uh, I'm going to – I'll say five. I'll say four. Five million dollars for Judge Reinhold. Right on the and money. Then, there it is. Then Super finally, fan. finally uh, Eddie Murphy himself. What do you think for Eddie Murphy, uh, Sphinx? I, 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 it's got to be some fucking nuts number. I mean, the man just... I mean, a lot of movies are shit, but he just never stops. I'll say... Yeah, but he's got a lot of alimony. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. He's got a lot of kids. <laughs> yeah, he does. Like, a lot of kids. It's like, isn't it? It's it's almost double digits, isn't it? Like, I think so. It's close to like eight or ten kids. I'm going to say, though, still like $350 million. $400 million. Okay. $200 million. Okay. So, um, you know what? And- he had to split that so many ways with all of his wives. <laughs> yeah. And then. You know, Mel then- B got a bunch of money. <laughs> uh, and then, so the director is Tony Scott. Yep. Um, did he yep. direct the first one? Or no. I guess I don't. Okay. No. He didn't. He got this movie. This was like his second big movie. The first one he did was Top Gun. Yeah. And then this oh, okay. was kind of like. And it was right after Top this Gun. Was like I mean, Top right Gun after came out that. in 86. Yep. So. Well, that's where that's where uh, Simpson and Bruckheimer saw him was, you know, they actually, they obviously worked with them on Top Gun and they're like, oh yeah, Tony Scott would be perfect for this. Yep. So, okay. So the writers on this, dear Lord, this is one of those ones where it's like, okay. So you have, based on the characters created by Danilo Bach and Daniel Petrie Jr., which I'm guessing wrote the first movie. Correct. You have a story by Eddie Murphy and Robert Wachs. Yeah. Then you have a screenplay by Larry Ferguson and Warren Sakarin. And then you have David Giller and Dennis Klein as uncredited doing some kind of probably like a punch up or whatever in the script. So that is a lot of people involved with the script for this. And I think that explains why all three of us don't really understand what's going on. (laughs) Too many cooks in the kitchen. I agree. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'll bring it up. Well, I'll, I'll wait to bring it up. because we want to get the, the music was, uh, Harold Faltermeyer 
and like we 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 discussed off air, but you guys played all. You know, it's the the Axel Foley theme. You guys know it. Go back and listen to the original Beverly Hills Cop episode if you want to hear it. Uh, but it is kind of iconic, and no, it's still catchy. So, yeah, yeah, but really, the big song that came out of this movie is Bob Seger's Shakedown. Like yeah. this song was a juggernaut. It was nominated for best original song in the Oscars and the Golden Globes. Yeah, it's it's his only number one hit too. And did yeah. you see that? Like they they wanted uh, was it Glenn Fry? They wanted him to write yeah. it again, but he couldn't. He had some kind of problem with his voice or whatever. So he recommended uh, Bob Seger because they're both uh, Michigan guys. Yep. So yep. All right, so we're gonna play uh, some Shakedown for you. Here we go. As soon as that song kicks in in the movie, oh man, it is the best. Oh yeah, because Eddie Murphy's he's got the Ferrari, Ferrari so it's cruising yep. down I ninety four in Detroit. It's like, come on, let's go. Yeah, oh, like the, every time I hear this song, I immediately think of sitting and watching this movie. Oh yeah, yeah, it's a great shuffle, great beat. The you know when the horns kick in after the chorus, yep. oh, it's just best. it's a great performance by Seeger. I mean, I. For as much as, like, for us living in Michigan and Detroit, like, people love Bob Seger. And, like, I like Bob Seger, yeah. but this is my favorite Bob Seger song. It's great. Like, I love it. It's, yeah, it's a great song. Joe, really how much song. do you love it? No, it is a really good song. I have a note that says uh, that this Bob Seger song is great. I, I mean, I know the song. I know it's from this movie, and it's a good song. It's super catchy. And, yeah, that opening's great with all the, you know, the shots of all the you know, the Ford plan GM and like yep. Silverdome, I think they show and all this stuff. So it's like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's cool. Um, anything else you guys want to mention before we start talking about the, the plot of this movie? Uh, as far as the music goes, no, not a whole lot. Um, well, yeah. I didn't mean no. just the music. That's why I said anything else. Oh, uh, I will say this. Um, Eddie Murphy's salary was $8 million. Oh, oh man! Yeah. <laughs> the only, I mean, with the music, uh, Billy Rosewood, Judge Reinhold's character, makes a reference when they're at the house, 
the he's like, I think, yeah, I think the Pointer Sisters live here, and they do a song on this album. Yeah, they and they did a dance. song on the yeah, and they did a song on the first movie yeah, as which, well. Which movie so. is the Neutron Dance? Is That's that the first, first one? one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, so I like okay. that reference. <laughs> Maybe I'll ask this before we get into the plot. I, I, not a question. It's more like kind of an opinion on this. And I feel like we just talked about the Bad Boys movies. And not that I think this movie, like this movie is better than the Bad Boys movies, but I feel like this suffers from the same thing. And I get it. Eddie Murphy was gigantic. He was the biggest, one of the biggest stars in the world when this movie was made. But I feel like it suffers from the thing where like they literally stopped the movie they have mm-hmm. scenes where Eddie Murphy's just doing bits and characters and stuff in this movie. And, like, maybe if I'd seen the first one, it would fit in more for Murphy. But it seemed, like, very, like, oh, okay, every half hour we're going to stop so Eddie Murphy can do, like, a character and, like, do some kind of, like, thing. Like, I, it, it was very distracting for me kind of going into it just without any other context, I guess. No, you're you're right on target. In fact, the, the one thing that, that I caught watching this this time around is the pacing of this movie is is kind of all over the place. Yep. And it is exactly what you said. It's because of the insertion of Eddie Murphy's humor. And in the first movie, the humor's there, but it's not forced in as much as it is this time around. I still, again, I just think it's the nostalgia that makes me love the humor. But you're right, this movie is definitely a precursor to what, the formula becomes for the cop movies of bad boys and, and onward. Yeah. And I think in the first movie, the first movie wasn't written for Eddie Murphy. He came on late in the project. So that stuff wasn't added in the first script until kind of on set. And they sort of put it in there where they could. This one, Eddie Murphy's directly responsible for a lot of, yeah, a lot of the scenes in this movie and they built that in. Um, so that's why there's definitely a lot more in this one. Yeah, I would assume the first movie was a lot more ad lib, whereas this one, because he's credited as a writer, like I'll bet you a lot more of that stuff was definitely put in there intentionally. Well, was, was the fir- was the first one was it that insane thing, or it was going to be like a Stallone movie originally, yeah. or something like wild yeah. like that before it became a, a Eddie Murphy movie? Yeah, it was going to be. Um, yeah, the character's name was originally going to be uh, Axel Cobretti. And then yeah. it was a, like a hard like cop drama, and Stallone ended up taking those ideas because he wrote a script. He rewrote the script. Oh, okay. He ended up taking yeah. all those ideas and putting him into Cobra. Oh, okay. Yeah, I read too. I didn't know this. Apparently, because the first movie was such a big success, they were actually going to do a TV show, right? And then they turned the show into this movie. Yeah, because so. Eddie Murphy didn't want to go back to TV. Yeah, because that was the big thing then. You know, TV stars didn't do movies and movie stars didn't do tv yeah i don't know do you guys know the the timeline for him on snl like was it before oh yeah he was he done. did the first beverly hills cop yeah i mean the first done. one he was okay. he only did like i think one season on snl okay i mean i knew it was in the early 80s i just didn't know when yeah because even coming to america might have been before this movie like in between the two i think it was I in between know. the two okay I don't. No. I don't know my uh, Eddie Murphy filmography that well, so um, I can't help you on that one. <laughs> That's uh, weird. You, you have that Pluto Nash poster in your. Well, in listen. Your I'm, a fa- I'm a fan of that one particular one. Um, you had that Dolomite in there too. I saw. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Beverly Hills Cop two. 
uh, opens up with, uh, I, at this point, I didn't realize it was Brigitte Nelson somehow, so I just said, blonde lady. Uh, <laughs> so they... Uh, Tall-ass blonde woman. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, blonde, tall blonde lady and her crew rob a jewelry store in Beverly Hills. Um, and they're, like, really concerned about the timing of it all, and they only take certain stuff, and then they leave, like, a card and a flower behind... Um, and then, like, I do have another. Says, why are the guns so loud in this movie? They're like firing their guns, yeah. and they all sound like cannons. And even and even as a kid, I always like even like rewatching the VHS over and over again. Like that sound quality never disappeared. <laughs> no, they were it's definitely, loud, piercing shots. It's definitely an '80s thing. Like in '80s action movie, they really ramped up the gun noises. It reminded me a little bit of like Heat. Remember when we did Heat yeah. and yeah. like how loud those guns were for that? But yep. yeah. So then we go to Detroit. We're, we're introduced to Eddie Murphy, Axel Foley, or reintroduced. This is where we get the Bob Seeger song, him driving the Ferrari. Um, and maybe I'm wrong about this. We're kind of introduced to this whole like subplot of him in Detroit trying to bust like this fake credit card ring. Yeah. And like, unless it ties to the first movie, I'm kind of like, why is this in there? It like, does, I, kind I, of. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The way it ties in is, you know, number one, like he, he helped fix things, you know, in the first movie and that kind of led him to be kind of this bigger cop. And that's why he's like undercover and able to get a Ferrari and like act this like bigger detective role that he has here. But then even the guy that's dealing the credit cards is from the first movie. And right. they made a reference of it later on. Like this is a jackass that like, you know, hurt us in the cigarette scam or whatever. Yeah, because in so, the yeah, first they're... movie, in the first movie, Axel's working undercover to bust like a counterfeit cigarette or uh, like a stolen cigarette ring. Um, yeah, and because uh, that was like right when cigarettes had started to become taxed heavily, so there were people getting cigarettes across the border and selling them tax free to people. Um, and so that he was trying to bust one of those rings, and that same guy is in this movie with the credit cards. Okay, because I was confused because I, I I felt like I was like, well, I feel like they just like they couldn't. <laughs> I feel like in my mind they're like, well, we can't have Eddie Murphy start out in Beverly Hills, so like we gotta have to have him like tread water in Detroit for a while before we bring him out to Beverly Hills, because like <laughs> ultimately that stuff goes nowhere. Even though like his police captain's like, you got three days to solve this case, Axel, and it's like it's meaningless because it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. Well, Again, not knowing the movies, that's actually how all three movies are. Yeah. They all start in Detroit. They're all irrelevant to everything pretty much going on when he goes to Beverly Hills. That's just kind of the the way the movie's done. Like, I'll put money on it. The fourth movie is going to be the exact way. Yeah. Something's going to happen at the beginning of the movie in Detroit, and then he's going to Beverly Hills. So, so okay. So, and again, if I if I misspeak on any of this, still feel free to correct me. So then we get Ronnie Cox. Ronnie Cox is out in Beverly Hills. Um, he like cancels a fishing trip that he's supposed to have with Eddie Murphy and Judge Reinhold and the other guy. Um, and this is where I get kind of confused about the the, the timeline of this movie because we're told that there's this big case, the alphabet like robberies or whatever, right? Yeah. But like. The jewelry store is A, right? It's the letter A to me, which would be the first of these alphabet crimes. But then they lead us to believe that, like, Ronnie Cox has been, like, really investigating these alphabet crimes for a long time. And he's got all these information on them. And, like, the police chief out there is a real dick and doesn't want him investigating it. But, like, 
what's the timeline? Because if the bank was just robbed, how long could you be investigating it? Because the, 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 the crux of the plot is that Ronnie Cox is getting to the bottom of this crime and he's about to solve it. And that's why the B crime in the alphabet is that they shoot him in the street. Like, so, see what I'm saying? Like, I don't understand how he had so much time to investigate it because the way the movie seems is that, like, the crime happens and then the next day he gets shot. You see, I don't know if if there was enough to necessarily say that it was, like, the next day. I do agree that it's weird that, like, he's acting like he's been doing it for a while when that was the A crime. But I think there's enough left out that, like, that robbery could have been a week ago yeah, or maybe no, two and, weeks and, ago. And, and but I, and I, but and I, I totally that. agree. I, I get that. I just wish they would have maybe conveyed that a little better. Like, I, I may, you know, like I said, I, I, I maybe I'm just kind of picking at it here. But to me, I was confused because it seemed like it, it just didn't track to me as all. No, there's going to be a lot of that in this movie. Because if you look at the relationship between Axel and um, Bogomil and the other two, even between the first movie and this movie – supposedly it's only like a two year or three year window. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it seems like they've been hanging out for years and years and years after the first movie, because they've gone on several fishing trips. They've hung out several times um, and become really good friends, like all, all four of them. So it seems like there's, it seems like there should be more time in between there, but there really isn't. So yeah, because in the first movie they were they were very cordial with each other. At the end, yeah, at the end. But I wouldn't say like they were like buddies at the end of the, first, the first movie. Is the first one where Eddie Murphy is putting bananas in tailpipes? Yes, yes. Okay, all right. I just remember that they referenced that joke in the clerk. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay, so um, I have a note that says, "Oh, Paul Reiser's in this movie?" Question mark. Um, He's in the first also, one too. Okay, and like I said, like the uh, the police chief out in Los in Beverly Hills, like he's so much of a dick that I like. Yeah. It, it's almost like distracting, like how like aggro and much of a dick he is. Like I get like like Eddie Murphy's police lieutenant is like kind of a blowhard and like yelling at him, but like this guy's just like aggressively a dick to these people, and they never really explain it. They're just like, oh, the politics are weird out here, Axel. Like that's why like it's like I I don't know like that it it didn't. It didn't track with me, like, yeah. why that guy was such a dick and why you hated him so I much. I think not seeing the first movie is hurting you there because, like, in the first movie, they kind of established that the L.A. police force is, or the Beverly Hills police force, is, like, the super advanced, like, technological wonder and everyone and they play there. By the, and they play by the rules. And they're, they're very stickers strict and how they, they play by things. the rules, right. Uh, and then in this film there's been a complete changeover with the entire police force over the over the last three or two years, whatever many, however much it is. And Bogomil, he gets promoted, right? Cause what well, was it the seemed first like that, that the new chief demoted him. Cause wasn't, I don't know. He, that, that's was, where I was don't he know. the chief in the first one. I don't think he was the chief, but he was a much bigger deal in the first yeah. one. And this time, it sounds like that Lutz, the, the chief, yeah, demoted has, him. Has, yeah, demoted him and pretty much got rid of his entire team besides Rosewood and Taggart. So right. they're the only three left, I believe. I think one of them even I says I think you're that. right, yeah. Yeah, they do say that, yeah. So so anyways, so like they have a whole argument. They're like, hey, you're not on this case, blah, blah, blah. And that's where we're apparently supposed to know that uh, Ronnie Cox has been on to figuring this out because then, like, Bridget Nielsen, like, 
gets him to pull over and he gets shot like brutally like a couple of times and i'm like oh he's oh, dead yeah. I, I was like oh he's dead but then like you find, oh no he's alive he's just in critical condition i'm like whoa i definitely thought he was dead and um, this is where i also think maybe there's a extended timeline because they had to use bogomil as the letter b for the crime so right. that that couldn't have been set up ahead of time right you know right. you know what i mean so i feel like well, maybe then, that's a little bit of that and here's so we'll get to it right now but this is another timeline issue so like they call eddie murphy to let him know what happened and then he gets out to beverly hills but it seems like several days have passed right before he finally got out there but it's weird because he talks to him like i don't know if i felt that way i feel like he probably left that day yeah, but when he gets there, he talks to him like like it's been forever from when they well, talked to him to when he got out there. Like, they're surprised, like, oh, what are you doing out here? Like, well, well, he I, told him he was coming. That's true. But I thought he canceled. He wasn't going to come anymore. Remember? Well, that was like the... That was the fishing trip. The, they canceled the fishing trip, but then he gets the call that the dude's shot and he's in the hospital, and then he goes out there. But I will agree with LPJ on this. LPJ on this, like Judge Reinhold and the other guy, did seem like they were kind of surprised that Eddie Murphy was there, even though it seemed like. Well, I guess maybe he never. Yeah, because told him yeah, he no, he never told him. Remember, Axel hung up on Rosewood before he could keep talking. Oh to yeah, because then they had that whole bit about the cigarette truck and stuff with the <laughs> with the guy from The Sopranos and stuff. Oh, which, right, which right. I which I do love the line where he's like, "I can smell pig from a mile away." I used to be a Muslim. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's a good line because that's it is like the the, the like I can see how it's distracting, but I find it highly entertaining because Eddie Murphy just kind of starts dominating these conversations when he just kind of goes off on what's going on. And and, and so so he he gets out to L.A. He goes to the hospital and sees him. Then you get this bit that like this is one of those ones where I feel like it's totally just so Eddie Murphy can do a bit where he yes. stops and like scams his way in. He sees this construction crew working on this house in Beverly Hills and he stops and pretends to be the building inspector and do all the stuff to get them to stop working on the house so he can stay in the house. But we only get one other scene in the house. Yeah, I it what I, what yeah. I also thought about is for how urgent he because he says you know the his inspector in detroit says he's only got three days so i'm assuming at first axel is thinking like i only got three days to figure this out so but then here he is kind of taking his time enjoying the joy ride in, <laughs> in la while he's trying to solve the murder or you know the the shooting of his friend but it is fun it is funny how like the excuse he uses though he's like there's there's not supposed to be any right angles on this house yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so after he scams his way into this house, then he goes to the police station. And he's meeting with uh, Reinhold and the other guy. Um, and that's when the, the dickish police chief comes in and is like, who's this guy? And that's we get another Eddie Murphy bit where he's Johnny right. Wishbone. And he's Johnny like, a, he says he's like a clairvoyant or something. Yeah. And, From the island of St. Croix. <laughs> yeah. And there, there's like a whole thing he does with that. Um, so basically him. And Taggart, is that the guy? Yeah, Taggart. 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 Rosewood and Taggart. And they they decide that they're going to, even though they're not on the case, they're all going to work together and try and figure it out because the police chief is so dumb. Um, And they go to the Beverly Hills Shooting Club because it's something to do with the the shells, the shell casings from the robbery or some kind of special shell casings. Custom-made shells. Yes. So they go to to the shooting club because there's some gun expert there who they, they think will know. 
We get another Eddie Murphy running like a con scene where he goes in with like these pills and like he tells the lady that they're like radioactive and like expl- all- he's got explosive <laughs> ammunition. Oh, so yeah, he's, he's all sweaty and he sits down and he just leaves it on her table. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. And she's like, whoa, like, you know, they're arguing about whether or not there was an actual order or not. <laughs> he gets her to give give him give him 20 bucks. Yeah, he's like he's like the last guy that did this. Uh, all they found was twenty bucks yeah. and a pair of Adidas. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and this is the part I don't get. Like, she tells him to go down the hallway. Like, who's going to stop him? Yeah. You know boy. what I mean? It's like, why did he even have to talk to her? Well, maybe because he didn't know where to go to find the guy. He couldn't like, just she ask. Told- well, whatever. I don't know. And then he throws the bag of vitamins away. Why doesn't he throw it away? Why doesn't he just give it back to Judge Reinhold? Just to be a dick? Come on. <laughs> he loves picking on the guys. No, you're right. I mean, he didn't have to go and and have that conversation, but no, it provided a it provided a funny comedic. Oh yeah, break no, in the it, was, movie. it was hilarious. I loved it. So, and then explain this to me. So it's like a shooting club. Yeah. And they're shooting what sound like real guns, but they're like fake guns. Cause Eddie Murphy shoots his real gun and like destroys the like screen they're shooting at, but no one seems to care. But like if they're shooting fake guns, why did they sound so loud? Like real guns when they were shooting them? I think they're well, shooting. But then he, yeah. And then when he shoots his gun, it's a lot louder than the other ones. Oh, well, all right. Um, so, okay. Uh, and this is maybe where I was a little confused. So uh, Dean Stockwell's in this movie. I don't think we mentioned, maybe we mentioned this. Yep. Dean Stockwell he is the manager of the shooting club and like mm-hmm. Brigitte Nelson is also there. Uh, but the guy that owns the shooting club is uh dent. Yeah. He's like the actual bad guy in this. Yes. Correct. Question mark. Uh, and they don't like that Foley's there. So that he tells Dean Stockwell, they're like basically like kill this guy. Right. Yeah. Don't foil. Don't let him foil our plan. Get rid of him. Yeah. So, so here's the relationship between all of them. Okay. Dean Stockwell is Charles Kane. He's a gun runner and also makes the custom ammunition that uh, Brigitte Nielsen uses to pull the heists that Maxwell Dent plans. So, and the, the gun club is kind of their front for their entire operation. Okay. And what you end up finding out is, spoiler alert, uh, it's all an insurance scam so that so Dent pulled all the insurance out of his other buildings because they're all losing money. Yeah, he's broke. He's broke and he's trying to basically scam the insurance company on his horse track to get all the money from the horse races and then steal all the money from the horse races uh, so that he can leave the country and do whatever it is he was going to do there. But also like, this is where I feel like the, the, like I literally have a note at one point that says, don't understand why the bad guys in this movie are doing what they're doing because that's all well and good. But then the other part of this is that they're pulling the other alphabet crimes so they can pin them on Dean Stockwell. So Dean Stockwell takes the blame because they left the fake note that had his name on it. So like, they'll think that that the crimes are done, but like if he just wanted to rob the horse track for the insurance, why would he rob the jewelry store and the city depot and all this other stuff? That's, that doesn't make sense to me. Cause you're right. Cause honestly, if you rob the city depot, 
you should be fine and don't and need also, to do any of the other things. And also, one of the plots is that they were buying guns. They were doing a gun deal, too. They were selling guns. They were taking guns with them to, like, Costa Rica to sell or something. So, like, he had, like, three different yeah, plots going. Yeah, it was just Bad too much going plots. on. Yeah. Yeah. Was, too much was, going on in only like 30 seconds that it gets explained and then not explained fully to connect the dots. So right. it was like, okay. Also, I was like, ask you, how, how did the even, how did the code get cracked? There really wasn't much of a <laughs> no, they're just in talk the card. there. They're just in the car and Eddie Murphy's like, I figured it out. Like, okay. Yeah. Um, also, so the crimes, the A crime, the jewelry store starts with an A. B is Bogomil because they shoot him. C is, is C Andy the city depot or... Because then they go to the racetrack, and that's E. So I'm like... I wondered that, too. I think that is it. I think C and D are the same thing. It's Hold the on, city I, deposit. I had, let me see what I can find. I had it listed. Okay. Because yeah. E is like Empyrean Fields or something like that, which yeah, is the they, horse track. They do say... It does say that C and D is City Depot, and then E is Empyrean Fields for the racetrack. So that's... I guess that's how they get around Because then, that. that's also E and F, Empyrean Fields, but yeah. Yeah, that's kind of weak, but... Um, so, okay. Um... I'm sorry. Where were we even at? <laughs> so at this point, they well because it's another break in the action, right? So he leaves the gun club, and Foley's like, "Hey, come and meet me at my house, and you know, pick me up." And well, so, well, well, Rose, did, well there oh, was one ahead. other thing where they he goes to uh, Ronnie Cox's house and is looking he through does. his files, and yeah. he he notices his shoes, his like running shoes are really dirty. They have this weird like mud on them, and he kind of you kind of see that he takes notice of it. And then when he's outside of his house, he kind of picks up like the dirt outside of his house. I was like, oh, this isn't the same dirt. And then he goes to the mansion that he's staying in, and the, the guys meet him there. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, Taggart and Rosewood are like, something's not right here. There's no way Axel knows anyone that lives in this house, and. You get a whole joke, and Taggart falls into the pool, and then he finds some weird-ass fucking clothing, and then they go to the strip club, which yeah. was in one of the pieces of evidence or pieces of information that Bogomil had in the yeah. file. Yeah, 380, yep. 385, 385 North, which is like the weirdest freaking strip club I've ever seen in a movie, because yeah. it, it seems to be a strip club, but like, listen, I haven't been to a lot of strip clubs, I'll tell you right off the bat, but there seem to be a lot of... <laughs> females there who weren't strippers who were just like <laughs> hanging out and having a drink at this strip club. It was yeah. very confusing. And, and you know what? I will say this. They clearly didn't spend their money on strippers for the budget. <laughs> and there, there, there's a whole bit where he tells them that Taggart's like Gerald Ford and everyone yeah. believes it for some reason. Um, and then like, I can't even remember. They're, they're literally at that club for five minutes and I don't even know what information they get out of the trip. Like, they got out of it that uh, the the guns dealer was there, Thermopolis or whatever his name oh, is, because okay. he owns the club. But yeah. you're right; like that's all he finds out. And then Foley's like, "All right, let's go." It was like, "Oh, yeah. all right, that was quick." And then they're ambushed by the the guy, like Dean Stockwell's guys outside, and they kind of have a sh- shootout with them in the car and stuff like that. And the car ends up crashing, and then he finds the matchbook in there. So they go back to Judge Wright. Well, well, real quick. Did you find it weird that in that car accident, the chief of police showed up to <laughs> the, the chief wreck? of police shows up everywhere in this movie. Right? Yes. Like, why, why was Lutz at just a simple car accident? Because even Taggart makes fun of him. And he's like, well, sir, this is traffic duty. And he's like, technically, <laughs> yeah. you're a fucking moron. Like, get away. So it's like. And the mayor's always hanging around with him, too. Yeah. And the, yeah, mayor, the, mayor and the mayor's always, always around, too. too. Yeah. Um, 
So they go back to Judge Reinhold's place. I don't know if this was from the first movie, but he's got a lot of plants, and he seems to really be into action movies. Like, that's, like, a thing. Uh, that's a new thing for Well, this no, movie. the guns in the action movie are not, but the yeah. plants and The stuff plants and, and Big Al, his turtle, that they yeah. can't figure out if he's where his dick's at and all that. <laughs> Eddie Murphy uses glue to get a fingerprint off the matches. Also, they all weirdly sing the dating uh, the dating game theme song for some reason. Which, yep. believe it or not, was an improv. <laughs> I believe it. Um, they get the fingerprint off the matches. They find out that it is Dean Stockwell's. So they go back and they break into the shooting club and they get some more information out of the shooting club. Um, there's also like a side thing where like he tells the Beverly Hills police chief to call. He's some. He said he's working for some kind of like inner agency like task force. So yeah. he has him call he gives him the number of his inspector in Detroit and he has Paul Reiser pretend to be the inspector and it's just some shenanigans that happened there. Now, why why did he give him Inspector Todd's number? Why didn't he just give him Paul Reiser's number and have Paul Reiser answer at Paul Reiser's desk? That's a great question. That is an uh, like, extremely has, good question. He has no idea what what Detective Todd sounds like or who he is or anything like that. Yeah. There's no internet. I don't know, and it's like it's uh, and Paul Reiser almost does like an imitation of that inspector too when yeah. he's on the phone. It's like you don't need to do that imitation. <laughs> That's just for us, the audience, because the guy in Beverly Hills does not know what this guy sounds like. Yeah. Um. So, uh, they they figure out that the bad guys are going to be robbing the city depot. De- city depot. Depot. <laughs> city depot. Thank you. So they're on their way there, and like I, I feel like. There's like a theme where it's like Judge Reinhold is not good at driving, but he's constantly driving in this movie. So why Correct. doesn't someone else drive? Why doesn't Eddie Murphy drive? For fun. I love it when Rosewood's driving because he's so fucking bad at it. It's hilarious. Also, it seems like it happens when they're going to the city depot and later when they go to the yeah. when they and when they go to the racetrack, but also like why don't they ever call it in? Isn't, isn't the whole thing about a police force that there's cars everywhere? Why didn't they call it in for either of the places so someone who was closer could get there? They were clearly racing across town both times. And maybe the first time it's like, well, they weren't supposed to be investigating it or whatever. But still, like, call it in. Someone who's closer can get there way before you. Like, I didn't understand that but either I think, time. But I think it is that. I think it's because if they call it in, fucking the chief is going to go off on them and fire them or something. So I think they do feel like they got to do it all for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess I can, I'll give you that the one time. I feel like the second time where they know for sure that it's the racetrack that they probably could have called in some backup who could have got there quicker. That's fair. Yeah. Anyways, so they kind of interrupt the robbery of the, um, I do. City Depot. The City Depot. I do. Uh, uh, I did get a genuine chuckle when they're trying to get the guy to sound the alarm and like he they kind of argues with them, so they both take out their gun and like shoot the alarm and they're like alarm and they're like shooting it so I kind of like that uh, the bad guys take off in like their armored truck and they're this is like a dumb thing movies do because it looks funny but it's like they're like oh go get us some wheels so we can chase them and he shows back up with a cement truck and he's like that's the only thing i could find like really that's the only thing you could find on the street was a cement truck to get yes because it's awesome and it, it's a throwback <laughs> to the first movie in the first movie there's a scene with a big semi truck that just fucking goes nuts through the okay. streets of detroit so it's definitely like a throwback to, to yeah. that scene it's okay. even it's even has it's 
in the in the first movie and in this movie during those scenes, the Pointer Sisters song is playing. Yes. All right. So well, it's a direct it, reference to it. And I and I get it. I mean, I we've covered enough of these eighties, early nineties action movies to know that's just how it is. But they throughout this movie, they cause so much <laughs> oh my damage. God, yes. They <laughs> kill they kill so many people and destroy so much property. I feel like that they would be like in litigation for the rest of their lives for all the stuff they do. Like and they don't they don't like for how much the police chief is a dick and hates them, they don't they they don't get in trouble for any of this. Like he yells at them, but like they're like it's so ridiculous. Axel Foley's line. Are are you driving with your eyes open or are you using the force? I yeah. say that I say that to my wife all the time. <laughs> it drives her nuts. <laughs> so they end up chasing the bad guys. Um also let me ask you this, because I was confused. I thought because they they seemingly imply later on that they stop them from robbing the city depot. But it seemed like the bad guys got away with money from the city depot, right? They got away with some of it, but I think it was like a four-minute robbery, and I think it was only like one minute in, so they had yeah, to stop they, away. they definitely didn't get, didn't get away with all of it. Okay, but they did have it. some. Right. Okay, so then for some reason we end up at the Playboy Mansion. Why the bad guys go to the Playboy Mansion, I don't know other than and they And why to- do they go there directly after the robbery? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So they pull up in the cement truck. That's where you get the Chris Rock uh, little, like, I guess this is like his first role or whatever. Yeah. He's yeah. he's like the guy and he's like the valet and he's all pissed off. He's like, I get 10 bucks for cars, 20 for limos. Like, what the fuck do I do with this? And he gives him like 50 and he tells him to park it next to the limo. Um, okay, so now we get another... Another Eddie Murphy bit where he's like, oh, I'm the pool cleaner, and they got to go in there because there's a poop, there's a turd floating, and they're like the health inspectors, and like, like can, couldn't they just flash their badge and be like, we're cops? No, I want Eddie Murphy's humor. He's like, he's trying to say it politely. He's like, I'll spell it out for you. Someone shit in the pool. <laughs> so they get there. They get there, and we get like we get like a lot, lots of shots of these Playboy bunnies playing like volleyball, and like one man in a tuxedo with like a glass of champagne, who they focus on quite a bit, who's really grooving. They zoom oh, yeah. in on that guy like four or five times throughout the scene. Uh, I like when they're like, oh, what do we look for? And Eddie Murphy tells them to follow their dick. Yeah. <laughs> yep. He also gives his dick a pep talk in that scene, which is weird. It was kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> so so he runs into the dent guy and Brigitte Nelson because they're just hanging out there, like you said, after the crime. And he's kind of like accusing them of doing all the stuff. And then Hugh Hefner shows up and kicks them all out of the party. Which is interesting because – at first, and I think all the times I had watched this movie up to this point, for I think I always thought that Foley and Dent like had met before, but this was legitimately the first time the two ever interacted. Yeah, and like like Foley, obviously that's part of the act is that he's trying to be like, hey, it's Max, Max, how you doing, man? When it's like, oh, realistically, you've only seen that man like in a newspaper. Like that was the first time it ever really clicked with me that oh shit, this is literally the first time he's ever seen. You know, he's ever seen Max Dent. Right, right. Yeah. Um, okay, so they get kicked out of the, the Playboy mansion, which, again, yeah. that whole scene is pretty pointless. Um, then we get a scene where, okay, it seems like the mayor is kind of on the side of Eddie Murphy now because they're back at the police station, and he's kind of like, oh, you guys foiled this robbery, so they know what they're doing. So, like, the mayor kind of yells at the police chief, and then the oh, police yeah. chief yells at them. 
Well, I would say that the mayor is starting to realize that the chief is pretty abusive to his men yeah. as time is going on. So, right. yeah, I, I feel like so, that's legit. So it's a, and so they then they go to see, they, they figure out, I can't remember exactly how, but they figured out that Gilbert Godfrey is like the accountant for, uh, for Dent. So they go to see him and they run another con on him, but they tell him he's got all these parking tickets. It's just so Eddie Murphy can get into his computer and use some information that not doesn't really end up helping him at all. Other than he sees that he like he tra- he's like applied for like something to do with Costa Rica, but like I feel like it doesn't. It's not like because that's not what leads them to the horse track, is it? No, no. it's uh, Bogomil's daughter that leads them to the horse track, right? But I, I think, I think he but finds... that information helps him connect the dots of why okay. Max is doing it. Okay, right, all right, right. yeah, well, I, no, well, I agree with that. Well, anyway, so they figure out they need to go to that horse track. That's when they're driving to the horse track. That's when Andrew Murphy's like, oh, I broke the code. And my note says, does it matter? Like, it does, like at this point, like, we're, we're so far beyond the alphabet crimes and all this stuff. Like, what do you need the code for? Who cares? It doesn't that matter. Exactly yeah. in my notes. I said, crack the code. But what does that mean? And what's really going on? So I, I totally agree with you. Like, yep. at this point, it's like, it's not really necessary. But. So, like... Dean Stockwell and Bridget Nelson, a couple of the guys, they rob like the horse track, like money thing. Uh, and she ends up like killing Dean Stockwell because that was their plan all along to pin these crimes on him. She kills right. the other guy. And then she like, <laughs> all this is happening during a horse race, which horse races notoriously aren't that long, even like a long horse race. They do this whole robbery and then she seemingly gets completely changed into a different outfit yeah. up there before the end of the race. And meets oh, yeah. Well, it's before the end of a different race. Oh, okay. They, they make it seem like it's the same race. Right. They don't really distinguish it. But anyways, uh, this is also where I have that note where it's like, why didn't they call for backup? Someone could have probably got there before them. Cause by the time they get there, the crime's all done. Um, <laughs> And this is where, like, so the that the the Dicky police chief gives like a press conference, and he's like, "We solved the alphabet mur- alphabet murders. This was the guy. We cracked the code. Like Dean Stockwell was the guy, and we cracked the code based on the computers and all this stuff." Um, but um, but they know that Dent's still out there and that he got away. And that's when they kind of they're looking around, and, and Eddie Murphy notices that's where the mud comes back because he kind of notices like the, the he same notices on one mud. of the horses, yeah. Yeah, so he asked, and he's like, "Oh, they're over in the field by the by the oil field, you know." Which, which I will say at this point, hey, have you guys ever been to L.A.? I have not. No. Okay, there is <laughs> even in 1987, I would probably bet there is no oil fields anywhere <laughs> near Beverly Hills, like probably within a hundred miles at least. So it's just really weird. Like it looks, the scene looks like it's like in Texas. You know? it, does, it, it, it does not it, I will tell you this it does not seem like that you're like they're at the racetrack and no. it doesn't seem like you take a left and you'd walk into that <laughs> yes because that's that oil you, field. right because when he's like oh the oil field is just right there it's yeah. like wait he's, wait what he's <laughs> like oh, they, right there? they were grazing in the field over there and it's like I don't even think this is shot anywhere near each other <laughs> yeah no. it does not make sense um so they go because they figure out that he's doing like this big arms deal at the oil field. So they go and they're like arming up and like, and seemingly like, I don't know. To me, this doesn't seem very practical. Judge Reinhold is like, I'm going to take two pump action shotguns. It does which not is like, seem practical. Which is at like, all. that is like the no. worst two things. Like if you're going to hold two guns at a time, no. it seems like pump action shotguns are the worst. Unless you're going to like Linda Hamilton it and like Terminator two and shake them down like that. I'm like, 
<laughs> I didn't get that at all. Did you um, see the story about Don Simpson in that scene, though? Yeah, yeah, he said something about, like, he had a bunch of guns in his trunk or something. Right? <laughs> Apparently, when Judge Reinhold first met Don Simpson, Don Simpson showed off his guns, and he just, like, popped open his trunk, and there was just <laughs> a whole bunch of guns in the back of Don Simpson's car. It makes sense. There's probably a whole bunch of blow back there, too. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Um, so, so they, there ends up being like a big, like firefight, a big shootout at the oil, uh, oil refinery or oil field, whatever. Um, uh, judge Reinhold blows up one of the trucks with the rocket launcher because this is an eighties action movie. So it has to have a rocket launcher in it by contractual obligation. Um, when Taggart's like, fuck Rambo after he (laughs) blows that, that, uh, truck up. Then there's a confusing sequence where, like, there's a lot of bad guys, right? There's a lot of bad guys. Oh, yeah. There's there's three of them. Eddie Murphy, the, maybe I misunderstood the chain of events. Eddie Murphy throws a grenade, blows up the other truck full of guns, and then seemingly a bunch of the guys just surrender. Like, yeah. a bunch of the guys come out and surrender, and a bunch try and run away. And I'm like, what changed that all these guys are surrendering now? Like, they still have the numbers advantage. I was so confused. I was, too. And that was another thing that I didn't know in the past and i'm like why are they all surrendering the like only, all they need to do is just aim their guns and kill taggart and rosewood like immediately the and, only thing i can done. think of is they heard because as they're doing that the police are pulling up maybe they heard maybe they heard the sirens and assumed like yeah because i'll say the first movie at the end has an awesome shootout it does. at that mansion it's great and this one was was kind of disappointing and for a sequel you'd figure the sequel would be kind of more you know, above and beyond, but I think the first movie pulled off their ending way better than this one. Yeah, I agree. So, like, the, the, it kind of wraps up, like, he has a little bit of showdown with Dent, where Dent drives a car at him. I like, I love this classic, like, overkill. So he crashes through a wall and starts driving his car at him. Eddie Murphy shoots him in the head, right? So he's yeah. dead. But, of course, the car crashes through the other wall, like, flies off the end of a hill, hits the ground, and explodes. Yeah. So the dude gets shot in the head and his car explodes. Like, what did he um, think he was going to do, like, driving at Eddie Murphy? Like, Eddie Murphy wasn't going to shoot at him? I guess maybe, I don't know. I was going to say maybe catch up by surprise, but he does crash through a wall. So it's kind of hard to surprise somebody with that. Um, so then you think like Bridget Nielsen's got him dead to rights, but then uh, Taggart shoots her and like, he's just like women, huh? Like you just murdered somebody. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you, you just claimed Bridget Nielsen's soul and you're, you're just like making a joke out of it. Like, yeah, she was a bad guy. And I guess she did shoot uh, Ronnie Cox or no, she didn't. She just distracted him or did she? Shoot she him? just, no, she didn't shoot him. Okay. Well, anyways, so then, then everything's wrapped up. The police chief shows up, and he's still being a big dick. He get a big thing where Judge Reinhold yells at him, and then the mayor's just like, yeah, you're fired. Uh, so he finally fires the police chief for being a dick. Um, and the wrap-up is that Roddy Cox, I guess, is promoted to police chief now? Is that what I got yeah, from the that's end what of it? Yep. And they call and, like, clear things up with Eddie Murphy's inspector. Uh, and, the, like, the, the capper to it all is that, like, Paul Reiser, like, crashed the Ferrari. It has a broken leg. Or a broken <laughs> it arm. Broken, yeah. It has a broken leg. That's right. And that's the end? That's the end. That's it. I guess Bridget Nelson had an affair with Tony Scott during the <laughs> I film. Saw oh, yeah. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, also, here's one thing that was crazy to me, uh, and I, and from not seeing these movies, that I was kept watching this whole movie 
waiting for Bronson Pinchot to show up because I'm like, oh yeah, Bronson Pinchot's in all these movies. And then afterwards, I found out I was like, oh, he's in the first and the third one, not the yeah. second one. Yeah, you really need too, to go back and watch the first one now because he was too busy with Perfect Strangers. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you're not wrong. I just I don't think it's free anywhere, which is a problem. No, um, it's not. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I kept waiting for Bronson Pinchot to show up, and then Gilbert Godfrey showed up, and I was completely thrown for a loop. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you, do you have anything for, uh... I have no role reversal. Role reversal. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about? Taglines. Oh, I just, I just got rid of it on my computer, too. Oh, I got, I got it pulled up. I can tell All you right. what they are. The, they weren't good, from what I remember. No, they're bad. There's only two. The first one is the heat back on i think in reference to glenn fry's song the heat is on right yeah and then the other one is axel foley's back dot 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 where he doesn't belong <laughs> yeah those are, those are terrible no. <laughs> um anything else that we need to mention before we get into the rating on this i don't have anything really. else i, I had everything i wanted no i got yeah I got all everything, right so. let's rate it Okay, I think what we should do is we should have one of us, Mir Sphinx, go first, and then Hovercraft Joe go, and then the other go. Because I want to hear just the difference between... So, do you want me to go first? Go I, first? I can go first. Right, go I There's no rhyme or reason why, but I love this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, you know, going through it this last hour... Like, there's a lot of issues with this movie. <laughs> and it, after all the shit that we gave Bad Boys with the unnecessary, like, comedy of it with Michael Bay, like, it's all here as well. But it, it's all, was it rose colored lens or whatever? Was that that reference or whatever? Like, yeah. I, I, I don't care. I, I thoroughly enjoy this movie. I had a great time watching it. I just, for whatever reason, the, the plot, even though it's bad, doesn't bother me it's just it's silly entertainment and i love this movie i'm giving it four machine guns <laughs> um all right uh so yeah i have no nostalgia for this movie obviously like i said it's the first time i've seen it um i knew it existed um i i didn't find this to be it, it wasn't a aggressively bad movie like it wasn't like i didn't have a hard time watching it like it's not a super long movie and like there were some stuff that was enjoyable but like overall i i i gotta be honest just hearing so much you hear a lot about this movie and i was expecting like a lot more out of it i was expecting this to be like oh this is like this amazing movie but like i i didn't think any of the action sequences were particularly interesting or great like they're fine you know, I kind of like the stuff with the cement truck and even the shootout at the end is kind of, like we said, kind of disjointed mm -hmm. and confusing and not super exciting. Um, I mean, uh, Eddie Murphy is probably the, I mean, and I get it. That's the point of this movie. He's the draw. Like he is full on star mode in this, but like without Eddie Murphy in it, this is like a trash movie to me. Like if you don't have him in it, he's the glue that keeps this movie watchable. Even mm -hmm. the stuff that he does that I don't feel fits in but yeah and I, i'm probably going to take a lot of crap for this but like i said i have no attachment to this movie so i think this is a two and a half machine gun movie two and a half machine guns is what I'm no getting. 
Honestly, like if I didn't have the nostalgia, I think you're spot on. It's about a two and a half machine gun movie. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong, Joe. You're not. But uh, you're also not right. Um, <laughs> Sphinx is right, though. There's no there's no wow. reason why. Wow. You, yeah, I, I, we, are, we are in fucking trouble if you and Sphinx are agreeing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and like, I don't know that I can add anything else to his explanation other than I don't know why I love this movie so much, but I love this movie. Like, it is one of my movies that I would sit and watch all the time, like I said, when I was little, and uh, I still would probably sit and watch this a couple more times, you know, this year. Um, I bought it, and I'm happy about that. Uh, yeah. I bought I, the trilogy. I want to watch the third one now. <laughs> I already owned the first one, so. Okay. Yeah, and by own, I mean, you know, I did my normal thing where I ganked it. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I, I love this movie. Four Machine Guns. <laughs> There's no, there's literally, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, listen, I'm not going to begrudge you guys because I do. I mean, there's been plenty of movies on this podcast, and I like nostalgia is a powerful drug, and it can influence movies that don't. Like, I get that. There, there are a number of movies that we've covered on here. Like, uh, Dick Tracy is one that, like, objectively is not really that good of a movie, but I have such fuzzy memories of it that I probably increased my grade like a whole machine gun more than it should be. It really reminds me of a SNL movie because it is right. Like a Tommy boy or a Billy Madison. Those aren't good movies at all, but people love them. Like I love them. Like I know they're shit, but they're just so fun and entertaining. It's like, who cares? Like, you know what you're getting into. And that's kind of how I feel about this movie. Like it's earlier cast and. Yeah. And, like, I just, it seemed kind of weird because it is, like, you know, it's it's obviously an R-rated movie. It has swearing and it has, like, nudity in it. But, like, as far as, like, the actual, like, this sounds like a weird complaint, but the violence is kind of tame in this. Like, I feel yeah. like no, there's not, it's not, it's not rated R for, like, the violence. Like, no. which is, like, no. whatever, I guess. But if you're going to make an action movie, it's weird that that's not one of the reasons why you're rated R to me. And the first one is way more of an action movie it is. like there's like murder and cold blood there's a lot of action there's a lot of blood like and i remember the third one is a little bit of a combination of both if i remember right like there's a lot of the comedy side of it but then i remember the end scene of the third one is also pretty gruesome and pretty bloody I am, i've only seen the third one once and i didn't love it um, is the third one the one that ends at like a disney world yeah yeah they're at a it's at a theme park I love that movie as well. That was, I mean, you you guys are older than me, so like that when the third one came out, I was still way too young to see it, but I still watched it a million times. So I mean, I will say this: that this has intrigued, has interested me enough that I am going to go back and watch the first one because I am kind of interested to see it. I and, honestly, I think you would like the first one. I think so. based I, on I, what based on what you didn't like about this one. I think the first movie actually corrects that, to be honest. And and I think maybe watching the first one and getting some of the context of the characters, maybe I might even go up to three machine guns for Beverly Hills Cop 2, because that was another thing, my gap in knowledge. You know, like, I didn't have any kind of established feelings toward any of these characters. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know Paul Reiser was in the first one. I knew the other people were, so I think maybe that might... But yeah, I, I am definitely interested enough that I'm going to go back and check that out, because I, I, I do kind of would like to... Yeah. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, it wasn't it wasn't a it, it wasn't a, a terrible experience. We watched plenty of movies for the podcast where it's like that was a real slog to get through. Like this is fine to watch, and I it just it just kind of was 
didn't do anything for me. Yeah, that's fair. You know what? And I can see how that would be the case. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you're still wrong. Uh, yeah. Of <laughs> All right. Fair <laughs> enough. This is, this is a former Machine Gun movie. Um, yeah. Well, if you'd like to debate us on that, go to GameZillaMedia.com and uh, check out our Discord. And, uh, you know, you can you can go side side with Hovercraft Joe or side with me and Sphinx and let us know what you guys think about uh, Beverly Hills Cop 2. Um, some of you might get suspended depending on your opinion. No, uh, I, I think, uh, I think popular opinion is going to be with you guys on this. I think, one. You're I, right. think I think this I is think when so. I did not like total recall. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think most people, uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think anyone that watched it when they were younger or whatever, like you guys would probably feel better about it, but at showing it to anyone who'd never seen it would probably side with me. I bet you. So you're probably right. I think you're right. You know, I don't yeah. think you're wrong on that, but we'll find out, you know, when we have our, our discord, uh, uh, battle Royale on, on Beverly Hills got two opinion. Um, so yeah, ch- check us out. Gamezillamedia.com. Check out everything on gamezillamedia.com and uh, keep listening to us, uh, every Monday. We really appreciate it. Absolutely. Sure do. Yeah. Well, anything else you guys want to plug? I'm good, man. Nothing except Hovercraft Joe's wrong again. I think you're right. <laughs> I think you're. I think you're dead on with that. Like I said, I gotta. I gotta look and see if it's like a full moon or something. Now that you two are getting along, <laughs> is is very frightening to me. Um. Uh, so I, that. I'm not surprised by this. He and I agreeing on this movie because I because I remember from the first one how much we yeah. both really liked it. The one time I was ever shocked at his opinion was for Roadhouse. <laughs> yeah, like that I, blew I think about, my mind. I, I still think about that movie all the time. It's, I need a I, copy of it. I want to watch so it good. again. Just buy it. <laughs> fucking buy the movie. I was shocked. I, I was shocked it. the very first time I was ever on the podcast. I remember thinking that Sphinx is going to hate me because I brought Rumble in the Bronx. Oh, yeah. that's that is another one that I absolutely loved and didn't think I would. But oh man, every once in a while, man, every once yeah. in a while. But not this and time. And actually, uh, LPJ wasn't on it, but when we did, uh, was it Desperado? Yeah, Desperado, yeah. That was another one I fucking loved. I haven't um, seen that in a long time. I'll have to watch that. Oh, man. That, so movie's, good. that movie's awesome. You should go back and watch that. Yeah, I, I love that. On, I think it's on uh, Netflix now, actually. So It might be. I'll double check. Yeah, but anyway, anyways. this is not a Netflix. This is about us <laughs> being right and Joe being wrong. That's what this Correct. podcast is. Four machine guns, guys. Four <laughs> machine guns. And this... This episode of the Last Action Podcast has been terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs>